0: What's up, dude? Are we live? We are live right now. <laughs> All right. It's happening, man. Dude, thanks for coming to the show. I appreciate you. I'm glad
1: to be here, man. I, I love the new studio. It's actually really cool.
0: Thank you. Yes, we were just talking about the old studio. Yeah. It, was, uh, it might have been haunted. Yeah, it was nice inside. I'll just say, yeah. and
1: when I went in there, I was really impressed when I got in there. Yes. Getting in there, I mean, I felt like, you know, I mean, I was, like I said, I had to go back in an alley. Yes. and I didn't know like, I, and it was those you get a knock on the door a couple of times, and somebody might not answer. Right, And you're like, who's this dude banging on the door? Yeah, and I brought a I brought a championship belt last time. I remember so, that. So I'm sitting there with this championship belt in the middle of like the the uh, the like some back alley somewhere. I could just see somebody coming. Who's this guy? I think he is? Yeah. Like I'm gonna be scrapping out there.
0: Right, it's like right next to downtown. I mean, yeah. it's like inner city. I think my friend who runs it. What what he wanted to do was like, you know, maybe he only had a certain budget, but he wanted a great studio. But also, location-wise, he just bought a really run-down place and then put all the money on the inside.
1: And you know what? That's obvious, because it was a great place (laughs) inside. I'm glad I'm here. Inside, outside, this spot is perfect.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I try to make this as comfortable as possible. And eventually, like, I, uh, dude, I'm sorry. I didn't even get any snacks or bottles of water. That's all right. right. I I feel terrible. My girlfriend gets so mad at me when I do that. She's like, why don't you... Treat your guests like they're human beings, and I'm like, I don't.
1: I'd, I don't. I would. I feel uncomfortable. People never treat me that way. I don't treat myself like a human being. Yeah. Why? Why would you start? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna be like, dude, what's your problem? <laughs> going try you to you bang got a crush me. on me,
1: right? <laughs> Ex- maybe. What exactly? What exactly are we filming here? Yeah. Because I want to get paid.
0: It's going to be late night freak show. That's <laughs> what it's going to be.
1: I know you got one of those patrons. Is it OnlyFans too?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I do I do this other thing that's kind of like OnlyFans. <laughs> it's called Patreon. Make sure you go to patreon.com slash Comedy. Subscribe. It's only three bucks a month. You get a free podcast. So go check that out. That's all right. Yeah, man. So uh, well, I, I, uh, I quit vaping recently. Really? It's been about two weeks. I went cold turkey just off the nicotine and... Uh, you feel it? I'm feeling better now, but dude, those first couple weeks, like I started a new job and I also quit smoking oh. at the same time because it was supposed to be a non smoking facility. Okay. And then after I started, I realized that everyone else there vapes, but I was already out of the the woods, you know. The first ten days are the hardest, bro. It was, dude. I was like having cold sweats. I was having a hard time sleeping. It's uncomfortable too. It's just uncomfortable. It's just way uncomfortable. But I felt like. I felt healthier, dude. It was starting to fuck with my breathing ability. and mm-hmm. like my, I was getting chest palpitations, heart palpitations every now and then. And I was like, dude, this is the only thing I've really um, put into my body besides THC and caffeine. Right. Was those, those fucking vape pens, dude. And uh, I think they might have been killing me a little bit. So.
1: Well, the thing about vape, and again, don't get me wrong, like I smoke cigarettes. I smoke cigarettes for a long time. And like I, the thing was hardest for me was I had certain times because you're smoking a cigarette. It's not as exactly as it's not as, uh, you know, like a vape. The problem is, is you can take it anywhere. Right. Because it's just all day anywhere. So, when I smoked, I liked to smoke when I was driving. A song would come on. I love to smoke after I ate. I look forward to the first cigarette of the day. Yeah. There were certain traditions. After
0: a shower. Yeah,
1: all sorts of different things yeah. that I like, that I associated with that. So, when I quit smoking, it was like doing all those things was like kind of messed up because like, I knew that I'd be missing that. The problem with vaping is it was just constant for you, right? Like yeah. you just do it whenever, however.
0: All day, every day. And
1: so, pro- it wasn't like there were particular times, it was just always missing. That's yes. tough.
0: Yes. Dude, that's a whole different level. I didn't even think about it psychologically, like, what it was doing to me. Because, you know, you think about, like, uh, certain people when they smoke cigarettes and they quit, they need, like, an oral fixation. Like, gum is a big yeah. one that, that helps. Uh, some people like to hold pens in their hand. Right. So that they have the, you know, the, the something. motion. Something to keep that physical withdrawal away until you can at least get past those first couple of weeks. And Because I smoked cigarettes for years, too, and then I quit. And I got back on the vapes like it was going to be cool. I mean, because it's a nootropic and it obviously does do some good. But some, yeah, it's some good for sure. I I I, uh, I think I don't know what it was doing for me exactly. I thought it made me feel confident sometimes, but that could have just been me telling myself that so yeah. I can keep going. You know, I mean, it was just it, you.
1: The problem is this: when I had to, I don't know about vaping, but I can tell you, uh, I when I quit smoking. My uh, girlfriend at the time invited me on one of her work trips down to Argentina. Her work was going to Argentina. And she's gonna take me down there. And she stopped me and she goes, Nobody in my company smokes, so you can't smoke. I wanted to go to Argentina. I was like, this sounds awesome. This is like nobody ever took me anywhere, much less out of the country. This is gonna be radical. Yeah. So she goes, You gotta quit smoke. You can't smoke. Well, I'm gonna seven day trip, one day travel, it's eight days. I might as well I mean, that's eight days without a cigarette. I might as well quit. And I knew it'd be miserable, so I went and I got hypnotized, and that's how I, that's how I stopped smoking.
0: No shit. I
1: went and got a hypnotist, and I went in there, and it was like it was in Baltimore, Maryland, and it was just it was a typical Baltimore situation, like it was in some some woman's like living room, and like it was on her like recliner, lazy boy, and they put me down. I think somebody was watching Jeopardy in the background, <laughs> you know Dude, what I mean? Yeah. But you know what? When it was all done. Never had another cigarette. So she Haven't, had not reset. had a cigarette.
0: You like It's like they hit the reset button on you. Like they cracked the glass and pressed the red button, and then you were like rewired somehow.
1: I needed it. I needed it. It was I needed the excuse. I think I basically hypnotized myself. Yeah. Like, I don't know whether she really hypnotized me as much as I wanted to think she did. Yes. And so I was on her team. I wasn't resisting the hypnotism. I was like, you've got to hypnotize because I was terrified about being eight days without a cigarette.
0: It was necessary. And in a way, you were almost like, you know, you needed it. Just as much as she did.
1: Yeah. I, I, I paid I wanted to. I didn't go there because I was like hoping it wouldn't work. I, yeah. want, I needed it to work. Yeah. Because I knew I was going to go. I wasn't going to smoke. And the thing about it is the first couple of days would suck because I knew that like, you know, when you haven't had a cigarette in a while. And you smoke that first cigarette, it gives you that head rush. that I knew I'd be like, oh, God, that's going to feel good. And this was, back in, this was back in the day when you walked through the airport and they had, like, smoking, like, more of the smoking lounges. Yeah. And you'd see them on there, like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then we ended up going to Argentina, and they got, like, everything from, like, 14-year-olds up to 80-year-old women. They had a pregnant woman smoking with a Malbe- glass of Malbec and they all eating steak. Everybody, and I'm like, oh, Jeez. man, this is, and I was, but you know what? I got through it. I never had a cigarette since, haven't had a cigarette since over 10 years.
0: And they and you're from Indianapolis, right? I'm
1: from, I live in Indy, okay. but I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. Originally. You're from Maryland originally. Baltimore.
0: But they do smoke indoors in Indy, Indiana, right? Some
1: places they do. I don't think, I think it's pretty much uh, dawn, gone with the wind. I think there's a couple places that may, there are a few choice places now that may maintain an, a grandfathered license. But I tell you, the time has come now. Where I don't think that's an appeal anymore. Yeah. So maybe there I think private there are certain private clubs that might be able casinos. to get casinos. Casino. I think casinos definitely. I think people smoke in casinos. Yeah.
0: I was in this place called New Albany, Indiana. Okay. And I did some gigs in Louisville and I was staying in, and I did a good in, in New Albany. So I just stayed there in New Albany for the weekend, which is like kinda right across the river. Yeah. And uh I was like looking up all these reviews for like restaurants, trying to get coffee in the morning. And this one had five stars and it was right by the river. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. I go in there, dude, fucking 50 people smoking. And I was like, oh, how did they get? It must have been a private. I don't know he about helped.
1: that. but I haven't seen very much of it. I know that they're old school. A lot of places are old school as hell. It was very
0: old school. It was like that whole town stuck in 1984. Yeah. I mean, like that was the Stranger Things must have been yeah. filmed there. <laughs> that was the peak, right? Yeah. They yeah. Did not, they were like, this is good. Got. We can stick
1: with that. And that's a good era to stop it. Yeah. But the smoking, the thing is now, well, I remember when smoking was banned in Baltimore and it was, they took it out of bars. I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. And it sucked for a minute. But now, I honestly believe, like, it would... I wouldn't want to go to a bar where there was a bunch of smoking.
0: No way. I wouldn't want to go. There's no way.
1: And it's not because I think I'd be tempted. I would just be... It would just be... Oh.
0: I think if, for... If we were doing stand-up, it could be fun. Because, like, that's like a nostalgic, like, kind of hat nod to... Back in the Old, day.
1: it would be cool for me it's, it's like to have a atm- cigarette on stage, yeah, yeah. But that, I don't know about like, everybody like smoking, it would bother the hell out of me, yeah. I but, would be pissed if people were blowing smoke. I mean, what the hell are you doing, bro?
0: yeah? But it does like kind of get in the lights and the atmosphere kind of becomes, yes. I don't know, it's there was a time where it was before my time that I just see in movies or hear people talk about, so I think to me it's a little more romanticized for me. You
1: know, but, Jimmy used to be on Opie and Anthony.
0: Yeah, Jim Norton. Jim
1: Norton. He talked about he he he's the one that hit me to the fact not personally. I heard him say this, right? He Wasn't to call me up and be like, "Brad, here's yeah. the Oh, but, you
0: don't don't make it sound that <laughs> good. <laughs> you no. Know, he was actually talking about how he, he told was
1: you. he told me <laughs> specifically about how um they when they shoot comedy specials, they have a uh, there's a, a machine called a hazer. And they release haze into the theater for when they're shooting it they give like uh so there looks like the light is shooting through something and it gives depth to have that haze yes. be, you know in there so they actually put a haze in there it's like a like a less it's a kind of like a vape of some kind uh you know so watch it if you're withdrawing yeah. but like there's like there's like a haze and it gives some sort of depth to the light and, and all that kind of stuff and so they make cuz that helps so i could see the smoke being like one thing but the smell was pretty I mean like if you haven't smoked in a while and then all of a sudden you walk into a like a bar especially if it's just like an old school dive bar and it's packed with smoke it's enough to turn your stomach man. Yeah. In my opinion.
0: No, I know uh I know I've smelled a cigarette recently. Someone was smoking like 50 feet from me. Right. It was way down range. And I just I was like, "Oh, god, I don't fucking miss it." It's just gross. No, dude. it's
1: not good. And like especially it just it's 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 weak, it's lame. And all the rest of it, uh, I don't, I always say, you know, it's, it's one of the best things that ever happened is getting rid of those cigarettes. And now I guess they're like $7 a pack. can't imagine. Right. That's awful. And then I can't, I, so anyway, my wife did say a couple of months later, I'm like, okay, but can I, when he got married, I was like, okay, can I smoke a pipe? Because you don't inhale, I you know I I wouldn't inhale the Bill pipe.
0: Bill Clinton over here.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, that's my own version of the Clinton. You know what <laughs> yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. And so I went. I was like, I got the pipe, and that's what I'm saying is it's a little different. I don't inhale, uh, but like you talked about having that little like that fixation where something to do. I do enjoy that, but the, still the idea with me is I'm smoking in the car, the ashes everywhere. It just gets it all smelled up. That smell would really turn my stomach, man. I i I think in the vaping, I thought that was cool for stage because I thought, you ever see the movie Ford Fairlane? No. It was it's Andrew Dice Clay's was supposed to be his big vehicle, right? And it's about him being a um, about him being like a, a private eye or whatever. It was his it was like 92, 93. He put it out. It was actually a good movie. Um, but anyway, he had this whole thing where he had a gun. On his wrist, and he had this thing where he could slip, you know, and the gun pops out into your hand. You know oh, what I'm yeah. talking about?
0: I think I might have seen this actually, just because it was a. Di- I've, I'm a comedy fan. I think I might have seen that. It might have popped in on my some earlier time. years. Yeah, yeah.
1: Or if you watched a uh, dark, uh, if you watched the uh, uh, dark side of comedy, but he did one. They they might mentioned it. But I was thinking a good stage effect because he used to have this thing with a lighter when he's on stage. When he would go up there, he do his. He would do his. Uh, he, you know, he'd do a punchline, and he'd whip his Zippo open and, and dive it down. And so that was his kind of like, you know, his, you know like uh, Chappelle has this thing where he bangs his uh, microphone on his knee, kind yeah. of cueing the audience to laugh. Right. Well, Dice's thing was he pulled out his lighter, bit and he would drop it down. And I thought a cool thing to do with a vape would be to have some sort of device attached to your wrist yeah. where we're on stage, you could pull a Dice Man, and we're like, you hit a punchline, you'd be like... You know, and slam it back down. It would be cheeseball as hell, but that's the point. It wouldn't be cool. It would be like cheesy because you would exemplify that. I didn't know that it really had the psychological dragon, addictive qualities that you were talking about now. That blows my mind.
0: Yeah, I mean, and even the way you described it to me, I just didn't look at it as like, oh, I can always get away with this, so therefore when I'm withdrawing, every part of my day is a disaster because I don't have that in my life anymore. And it and it was, dude. It was a, it was such a rough couple of weeks. I decided I wanted to talk about it. You know what I mean? I was like, I need to get this off my chest. Oh,
1: dude, let I it out, man. Let it good. out.
0: I feel better now that it's like just me and weed again.
1: Don't become like one of these evangelists, man. I like, where you're I like, like
0: marijuana. I'm All not of a sudden, now you're it's gonna be like a personality. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But you're
1: it, gonna be like, you got to stop vaping now, bro. Everybody does it. <laughs> like you know, if you don't no, vape, you don't yeah, vape. I know, I know,
0: right? It's like you do. Yeah, do what you do. And yeah. But it's good for you. You're glad. Anybody else who's struggling, do it. Yeah. Quit. Yeah, quit if you can. I mean, or if you're young, if you're fucking 20, like, dude, vape twice at once. Dude, vape something for me. Get two. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. And
1: send me pictures of your girl.
0: Get out there. (laughs) Brad, go ahead and give them your email. Well dude, um, what's what's been up with you, man? What's been on? Dude, your...
1: <laughs> it's been crazy. Um, I had a lot of good stuff with stand up that's happening. Uh, you know, last time I was on I was talking about the roast war championship. That's still yeah, going. Yeah, dude, we uh,
0: I, I got the I got the chance to do that in Louisville the last time you were down there and that was it's, such a fun.
1: It was fun a good day. one, man. And like it's still doing things down in Louisville. I actually uh got the I I licensed a kid, Chris Corrado, hashtag Corrado Shows down in North and South Carolina to run it for me down there. Um, And we do it, obviously, you know, we pop up, but I've been focusing myself on the stand-up more and been rock and rolling with that, killing it, uh, doing a lot of good stuff and uh, moving up the time, getting tighter, getting all that stuff. But the reason I'm on today is because uh, filmmakers in town, uh, indie, you know, indie filmmakers in town, uh, they've come on and they've said, hey, they film a show, a web series called um, Hashtag. I don't like it because it's, it's a, that's all I can say. It's called hashtag, right? That's it? That's it. And it's the hashtag symbol. So it's really <laughs> hard to look up. You know? It's really bad, right? It, it, I keep trying to explain to him. I'm like, this that. is very... I mean, keep trying to tell me, this is season two, hashtag season two. Um,
0: <laughs> that's good, though. It is. It, it's hard I to think, explain. Yeah, I think it's hard to find, maybe hard to find if you're looking, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Is so it's like, uh, you know, but besides that, it's cool, and... Um, we, you know, we did got me the star of season two, and uh, it, it's been a blast. They're starting to release the, the uh, I think it's my fourth episode, was released today. It's a Sunday. I released it. To, they released it today. There were five or six-minute episodes. And um, it's really cool, and so like that's been that's been exciting going around and promoting that, talking about that, and uh, I love the opportunity to really get and do like some acting and com- comedic acting and work with these these uh, you know these local filmmakers who really give it their all and they make a fantastic uh fan fantastic show.
0: Yeah, I saw the first episode you sent to me, and I think you sent me one from last week also, and I thought they were really funny, man. Yeah, I mean, I think the quality of the film and the way that they're Actually portraying the characters through film, yeah, um, is amazing. The actors that they're picking are very funny. And, yeah, yeah, dude. I think it could go somewhere. That's just like, uh, it only takes one. Like, if you guys consistently do it, like, in the, you know, it only takes one or two clips for people to circle back around and be like, oh, what is this thing that we mi- that we're missing? Because the internet is so deep, right? Yeah, so rich with. Fucking content, dude.
1: It's over the top. It's crazy. The cool thing about this one, this particular thing is that it's uh it's really kind of like they they're saying something with it, which I appreciate this. It's a mukbang. I didn't know about mukbangs before. Mukbangs is where apparently guys have their own. Basically, it's a, it's basically a webcast of people eating. Yeah. And so this guy he wants to be a mukbanger. Right, and he gets on, and he wants to get an audience, and he's going to get paid. He's going to get all this audience, so he's willing to do whatever the audience. And the audience he has, it the, turns out to be these horrible people who are constantly, you know, wanting to like manipulating him to become somebody he's totally not. Yeah. And he's just addicted to the idea of I just need views. And he gets in with, and the, he finds his crew. They call themselves the noblemen, I guess, they are supposed to represent some some sort of fascist far right um, group who are like, you know, convincing him to all of a sudden take. On all these kind of like you know militant populist settings, and then eventually, uh, and eventually, he becomes like uh, he he engages in a thing that they call um uh, ethical cannibalism, and so that's how that's a crescendo is eventually he runs across this other mukbanger who has a fetish where she desires to be eaten. That's Literally hilarious. And so like you know he doesn't want this so like the whole thing is chomp champ coals might go and I have them belt and I'm like, ah and, and I'm going through all these things where I just want to I just wanted to do a mukbang, right yeah. And it just brings you to this point where all of a sudden now you know you're just going through all these things that is never enough. It's never enough and you got to constantly keep giving more and more and losing yourself. In doing it. And it's obviously funny because of the extremes it goes to, and to see how this character is twisted and, and turned and, and, and just made an ass of. But at the same time, it also says something about when you go searching for fame yeah. and you become a slave to your audience, you can't control who your audience is, they end up controlling you. And they they he takes him on this journey where he's like, you know, basically he starts out here, I just want to have a mukbang channel to now, all of a sudden, he's eating this person and he's disgusted. he's disgusted, he's disgusted by himself, he's disgusted about what, but he can't stop yeah. and he just keeps going and going and I think that 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 actually if you see. People with webcasts, you 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 hold it together pretty good, you know. But I mean, you're not. You're, you've seen people out there who aren't, though. Yeah. Who just go all of a I sudden, mean, and they're crazy. Time,
0: there are times where I'm like, dude, what else do I need to be doing? Exactly. <laughs> to like, get your attention. Yeah, dude. It's like these only go viral every now and then. <laughs> it's it's right, like you know? a lot of it is just you know a few hundred, few thousand here and there. So it's like I I am resonating with this message so much because I'm constantly having that internal battle. Like, do you want to just fucking go naked on camera and run across the field. Like, that's the equivalent to, you know what I mean? It's like, do I want to fucking jump out of a plane and let it explode right for Exactly. YouTube views? Absolutely not. No, but. I have integrity, but, but I'm an entertainer. That's what I'm
1: saying. What so have I got to do to win? I've got to win. Where is the line? <laughs> you know, exactly. When you're up there in the moment yeah. and you keep going, keep going, keep going. And then before you know it, you get pulled into this thing where all of a sudden and it happens on stage. It happens anywhere you're an entertainer. And the audience, you go up there and you start off in what you, you have your vision of what you want to do and what you see yourself as and then you get up there and you see how the audience reacts yeah. and you see how the and you see where the opportunities are and all of a sudden you start crafting your jokes and crafting your act crafting your look all to what they expect from you and obviously i'm portraying something that's an um, that's the, the you know it's it's way over the top but exaggerated but it, it's ultimately at the heart of what everybody entertainer faces
0: yeah i i like that idea of just having a funny show where you're like constantly challenging the extremes yeah. of what like life could be yeah right and it's like if you could do that in a comical way i think a lot of people are going to resonate with it
1: yeah and like I can tell you right now, it's a matter of people, like, I always say this Britney Spears syndrome, right? Like, how many people out there know about, like, the good works that any of, many entertainers do? They raise money for these people that nobody knows because they're too busy watching Britney dance with knives. Yeah. That's what people want to see. They don't care about where somebody go out there and feeds the poor. They want to talk about the time Paris Hilton got banged on camera. That's what they want to see. People want to see the car wreck. That's what they want. And so it's in the, when you give a camera and you have a budget and you only have a short amount of time, it makes sense to kind of like say, okay, let's just do a car wreck.
0: Yeah. Exactly. It's like, if The Rock and Oprah would have been dancing with knives, a lot more people (laughs) would have donated to the (laughs) podcast. Rather than call them out for their bullshit. Yes, yes, that's true. (laughs) That's real shit, dude. You know, it's like, learn from the best. It's Brittany, bitch. You know what I'm saying?
1: No, I can tell you, the problem is is everybody always concentrates on the negative. Like right now, this week, and this isn't funny, this is just the truth. We might as well talk about it. Yeah. Um, There was, of course, a terrible attack in in Israel.
0: Yeah, I was listening to that right before uh, you came over, actually. I wanted to, to touch on that today for sure. It's bad,
1: man. Like, there was a music festival, and apparently a bunch of uh, dudes came over from Palestine, and they went in, they attacked the music festival, they killed a whole bunch of people at the music festival. And that's all, that is all the news wants to talk about. And it's like, nobody wants to mention the fact that other than that, supposedly it was a pretty
0: decent rave. Yeah, yeah, dude. No one's talking about... Dude, imagine how many people were like pretty like out of their mind. Dude, that's what I'm certain saying. Certain psychedelics and stuff, because it's a little more free on that side of the border. Yeah. But I think that they were just a little bit too close to the action, man. That's like, what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, imagine
1: if it was your first... right. Those things aren't... Like, those music festivals today, they're not cheap. They're not like everybody showed up in a hippie, man, and kicked down the fence. Like, they cost a couple hundred bucks to get in. Yeah. Imagine you're a kid is your first festival, and you're having a blast. You didn't even see that other shit go down. Yeah. And you're yeah. like... Well God my what too. And everybody yeah. says it's the worst thing that ever happened.
0: He's like, what's the best time of my life? Other than you know. <laughs> yeah. You know? Anybody that survived is gonna be like, oh yeah. This dude, is,
1: I would have gone again. That was mega. That was awesome, dude. dude
0: sick. <laughs> Super sick, dude. dude. No, I was uh I, I don't know, man. It was such a strategic attack too. It's disgusting. The way the way that they blew up the border in severed several different places. They came in by land, sea, and air, dude. Yeah, there's uh, glider things. Uh, yeah, they came in by land... Uh, they, they also sent in drones that were attacking their uh, anti-aircraft missile, uh, whatever, pl- like the on the bases where they shoot down the planes. And there's also this dome over Israel. Yeah. Have you seen
1: this? Yeah, yeah. They, they have the dome to shoot down all the missiles that come at them. So
0: apparently they damaged whatever... Uh, makes that work too. So,
1: they, so they hacked in or something? I don't know if they were just like we don't know the technical details. I we yeah, have no I was idea. Just watching a this video. is not where you're going to get. No, no, no. <laughs> they did, what really they happened? Did but, knock
0: down all the cell towers within minutes really? of them breaking through the. Yeah, so they cut all their comms were down. On top of them killing innocent people, it was a it was a basically a murder squad, dude.
1: It was a kill squad, and like it's disgusting. Here's the one thing that bothers me the most about this. First of all, I hate I hate what happened. I hate. I hate it. I think it's disgusting. I also think because, and I'm not a religious scholar or a scholar of any sort, but having read bits of the Bible, I am aware that these two groups of people have been scrapping for a couple millennia. And so like, I just feel like it's kind of crazy when I see all the crazy stuff happening around me. that These things happen, and all of a sudden we've got to turn our attention away from the stuff that's happening close to us and look over to problems that have been happening for a long, long time. I don't know what we could do about it, Other than be sorry, and I am, I'm, and feel for them, and I do both those things. I feel for them, and but like I don't know what else I can do about it. And I think that our main focus should be on, you know, the problems we have more so than saying to myself how, you know, like, uh, all of a sudden now I've got, like, I'm am I, am I going to bring peace in the Middle East? I don't know whether my president, honestly, God, I wouldn't trust a guy to get me a ham sandwich. Yeah. I wouldn't, and that's not an exaggeration. I would be worried he could do that, right? I'm I'm, so, I'm shocked every time I see he's able to put his pants on. I can't think of a single political leader in case anybody thinks I'm, like, stumping for somebody. I don't think of a single political leader in my mind, that I would trust to handle any of it. And to me, that's the biggest problem facing us, not the fact that people have been fighting each other for a couple thousand years, keep
0: fighting each other. Dude, you know what's scary? You mentioned the Bible, and in the Bible, in Revelation, which everybody keeps talking about doomsday, it's on the tip of everyone's tongue. Always. Revelation talks about the Middle East signing a peace treaty and the Antichrist and like the New World Order, essentially and it, it, dude it talks about it and then that's that's the kind of things that make me question like you know is is there a god or is there a grand designer of all this and i don't know man there's just so many questions and there's too much information it's hard to make an informed decision these days it is about anything whether it's religion or where we go when we die or no it's, it's a- too
1: much to take in that's yeah. what I was saying you got to think local you got to look around there's people people suffering <laughs> bad news people are suffering a lot probably within a mile of everybody who's watching this there's people that they go by every day who are suffering a lot and if you really are upset about some of the awful things you see happening uh, on the other side of the world you want to do something the best way to do is probably go and find somebody local to do something about but nobody's going to do that cuz it's easier to just feel sorry for what they see on television. Yeah, absolutely. And so I just say to hell with it. What you ought to do is you ought to get on Patreon and you got to sign up for a podcast. That's right. That's the, to the You want world Woods peace? Podcast. It starts where you're looking at the yeah, way if you it want starts. World
0: peace. You subscribe to the Morning Woods podcast. It's Johnny Woods Comedy at Patreon.com. We're gonna take a quick break. We got about two minutes. Um, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be we'll be back. All right. We'll be right back. You're killing it, though. I mean, are you are you doing... And we're back, everybody. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for joining me, Brad. Happy to still be here, baby. If you don't know, Mr. Brad Riggler, actor, comedian extraordinaire, announcer, creator, That's producer right. of shows. That's right. Um, we've, we've had some stuff together in the past. I know a long time ago when I first got in this business, maybe four or five years back, maybe almost closer to six now. I remember you hosted an open mic at the Jokers in Indianapolis. Yes. When I popped in through there, it was my first time being in an Indy, and I think I I don't know that I probably didn't do very good at all, but I just remember seeing you and seeing how good you were and like your professionalism as a host. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh wow, I admired that." Yeah. And then I got to work with you uh at Roast Battle Louisville last yeah. year, so um, yeah, so we we've uh, we haven't had a conversation this long though, so it's fun yeah to get to get to know you and, yeah. and talk more about um, just kind of who you are as a person and stuff like that. So. So you lived in Baltimore. Did you start your stand-up career in Baltimore? No,
1: I was an actor, and I actually moved... Uh, when I grew up in Baltimore, and then I went to New York on um, to, to be an actor, I went to the American Musical and Dramatic Academy up in uh, Manhattan.
0: Oh, like Tupac.
1: Yeah, dude, I was down... I was in New York when Tupac got shot the first time, when, they yeah. popped, when he became one-pac. Yeah I, yeah, I was yeah, there yeah. when he became one-pocked. Uh, yeah, it was a wild time, and so like I, I, w- I was there for that.
0: Were a lot of art students getting shot? I, mean, I don't <laughs> know, man. I
1: remember he got his. I remember I didn't get shot, but I remember I remember it being a big deal because he was a, he was coming out of a recording studio and somebody popped him and he actually popped one of shot one of his testicles off.
0: Oh, wow. I did not know Yeah, Yeah,
1: that. he's one pock, right?
0: That's great. That's a great detail to add to my little repertoire of knowledge. If this ever comes up again in conversation, I'll be like, do you guys know he got one of his nuts shut up? Yep,
1: that's one pock, baby. That was the thing. He got shot. <laughs> and everybody assumed that was the beef. They, they assumed because Little C's was passing by. He was part of Biggie's crew. And they all thought it was something with that. That old bad boy was shooting up. Um, and that's really what kicked it off. That's what kicked off the. That's what not kicked it off, but that's what really turned West Coast, East Coast beef into a hot war. And it actually happened in '94 in um, Manhattan.
0: Yeah. Did you see they recently caught the guy? They least, say
1: they they say they busted the guy who who, who was a trigger man.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For was that for Pac or for Biggie for Tupac's death?
1: I think it was. I, you know, I don't know which one it was.
0: Yeah, I wasn't sure either, but it was somebody in connection with the. Gosh, which one? I don't feel like a douche now.
1: I don't even know. I don't remember who 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 was. They got.
0: It's hard one. to say because even when I watched the movie, it was hard for me to figure out where and when they died. Because I think one of them were in Las Vegas. Biggie was in Las Vegas, or
1: I think no, it was, was LA. it was it was uh, Pac was in Vegas after a Mike Tyson fight. I believe it gotcha. was after Tyson versus Bruce Seldon, and they boxed and they came back and. There was actually a fight in the um there was a fight in the, in lobby. the
0: lobby. Yes, I remember seeing the surveillance yep. footage. And
1: then Shook Knight took Pac out to the car and they were driving down Las Vegas Boulevard and like supposedly a shooter team came up and just peppered the side of their car and just he and wasted him. And uh and and, and that was that was how he went out and then somebody shot Biggie when Biggie went to LA at Biggie set foot in LA. Yeah. And that was and they thought that was a little bit uh and I think and that and so I and that was how that that that's how that all kind of blew out, man. But I mean, I wasn't involved and obviously clear. You can take a look <laughs> at me. Nobody was like, dude, what happened? <laughs> well,
0: I just you know? He's like, You're obviously, right. I
1: was not plugged in, but I was yeah. there in Manhattan at that time. And then I went out to L.A. for a minute. I was all acting at that point in time. And then I came back to Baltimore and kind of did my whole thing. And it wasn't until I moved out here that I just all of a sudden wanted to get back into being a performer. Because I've been a reporter, I've been a, I've been a reporter, a politician, I've been an actor, I've done all those things. The only thing that scared the hell out of me, scared the shit out of me, was stand-up. That was terrifying to me. And so it was like, I, and when I got here, I was like, I got off the, I remember I was downtown, walked out of the diner right when we first hit town, and I looked up and I saw there was a, a sign on the wall that said, Crackers Comedy Club. I go, if there is a club called Crackers, <laughs> dude, I've got to do it. That's where you're going to find me.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: And I said, boom, I went and did the open mic, and uh, I just started going back every week, banging it out, banging out, just going at it, and I mean, You know how it is—like just absolute shit, just eating shit, eating shit. The only reason I stuck with it is because I've been an actor and I've been those things, and I understood the learning process. I understood I wasn't like I wasn't one of these people that thought like, oh, you just get up there and all of a sudden you're famous. Or you know, I knew that it was a to learn to even be watchable. It's going to take a lot of time yes. and a lot of you got to go through it. It's not getting handed out, and like it, maybe some people go and blow up quicker than others. And they usually those people are usually in L.A. or in New York because they can be found. Yeah. And they're also they're also dealing with like a, a a larger a larger pool of like high talent people that can rub off on it's them. It's
0: also the tortoise and the hare situation where sometimes someone will like get this trajectory and then they'll kind of like and then you'll catch up with them. Yeah. Yeah, it's but great.
1: it's all about work. If you are getting up there and banging through it in determination, so like I gotta tell you, people are gonna determine is the idea of I've gone through stretches of months of not getting any laughs. Mm. You know, not recently. Anybody? I want to be clear. Anybody wants to go see my stuff now? Everybody's yeah. laughing all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but back in the day, I went through. I would go through months of eating shit and dicks. All oh god, it yes. was almost it, it soul burning. And it's just like, but you know what? You just keep going. You keep going. You learn from it. You learn from it. You learn from it. You learn from it. You learn enough to get better, not enough that you should quit, right? Yes. So you, leave, you forget that lesson, and you watch the other lesson, and you just kept on going. And so I just kept with it. I had my vision for the uh, Roast War Championship, and that took me around a lot. Of, met me, I met a lot of comics, and then I started just going up there. I started becoming a regular at Crackers, and just I uh, got up to the, uh, the, the finals of Helium's Funniest of Indie. And uh, I've just gone all around. I recently did, not recently, but February, I headlined a benefit show in a place here in Ohio called East Palestine.
0: Oh yeah! They had
1: a terrible train derailment in East Palestine, and I did a big, you know, a big fundraiser show out there. It was awesome, and uh, you know that got. And I started doing that. And I'm I'm going around and and doing like you said, quality stage time, and still getting opportunity to do these web series like hashtag Season Two, and uh, you know, just doing cool stuff like this podcast.
0: Yeah, dude, this that's awesome, man. It sounds like you're really like like living the dream, dude. No, no pun intended. I mean, that's like. That's kind of where we all want to be. Like you want to have stuff on your calendar. Yes. You want to be working on multiple projects, and you know, constantly just trying to be better every time you're on stage. Like that's those are the those are the people that I respect in this business because some people, like they just don't like either take it serious enough. Which I know that sounds like. Stupid. Like, yeah, I know what I you
1: mean. You take seriously being an asshole. I know. I know what yeah, you mean. I, I know get that
0: it. Sounds weird, but like
1: you got to take it seriously.
0: Uh, yeah, dude. There's just like certain rules you have to respect and like kind of adhere to. Like the people bef- that came before you, you have to you have to pay hum- homage to them. I think. Like, yeah. You know, like don't wear shorts on stage. No. Like don't. I can't
1: stand. Don't sit down. And don't wear move shorts. the
0: mic stand. Yeah. Yes. Don't sit down. You're not Dave Chappelle. Right. Like, don't. You know. I. There's just a lot of uh, like technicalities that I uh, I like to respect and, and, and live pay your up dues. To. Yeah, I want to pay my dues and and, and go and, to work. Exactly, dude. That's at the end of the day. So I can see that you're really doing that, dude. So I, I think that's I think that's awesome. See, that's the thing. Paying the dues is what it's all
1: about. Like you've gotta make your own stuff happen. So everything I've done, I've always aggressively gone out. If nothing's happening. And I wanna make it sound like for me, I'm a, I'm a performer. And I got to perform if there's nothing happening, I'm not happy. I'm not, I feel, I don't feel good, right? Like I, you know, if I would feel like Saturday night, Friday night, whatever, if I've got to go, the reason I get my haircut is because I know I'm going to be on stage or I'm going to be on a podcast. Yeah. Not that I got my haircut for this, but the reason why I do these things. So I you know what I'm saying? The reason why I buy outfits, the reason why I can't, the reason why exactly, you know what I mean? This is the reason why I take care of myself. Yeah. It's not for me. And it's like because but everything on motivation, what am I doing? Am I cool? Am I having fun? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm having fun. It's because I'm being booked on a show Friday night. Exactly. And that's what makes and so that's what I and that that's what I need in order to be happy. And see myself, that's who I see myself as. So, and to get that, nobody, the truth of the matter is, maybe there's sometimes you get a, you catch a vein, you catch a wave where things are happening, they're throwing stuff at you. But you got to know that you got to keep looking and stretching and finding and never forget that the only person's going to keep that going forever is you.
0: Yes. I heard this quote from John Mayer and it really stuck with me. And he said that uh, one day he just decided that he was going to give himself the job as a singer yeah. and a songwriter. And so I just thought that I should do the same thing. Yeah. So I that's how I live my life now. Exactly. Like I gave myself the job, and now I have to live up to these certain standards in order to feel like I'm giving it the, my respect, and I'm getting the respect from... I know some people don't care about their peers, but that is important because you know, certain people are going to stay in this business for a long time, and those are the people you'll still be working with in five or ten years. So you know, you wanna you know, you wanna earn your uh, I don't know how to say it. I don't know. Now, you gotta be
1: you gotta pay attention to what the hell's happening around you.
0: Yeah, yeah. You wanna like know what other people are doing and yeah. they wanna know what you're doing. And that's yeah, that's important to kind of like have that mutual If you're respect. just
1: goofing, you're just goofing. So if you're yes. if, and your whole thing is I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. And a lot of times what people do is they imitate what they see the character of their favorite performer being on stage. And they don't understand. Behind that person is a business guy right behind you there, uh, Richard Pryor up on the wall. Richard Pryor had writers who rolled with him, yeah. who came with him, and constantly watching him, constantly doing this. And he thought, you know, like there was work that constantly put in, constantly travel. He might just seem like he's up there goofing, like oh, this kid He was. These guys are serious about what they did. Andrew Dice Clay, we talked about that earlier. This guy, he crafted that image from like day one and like went through four different characters he was doing on stage. So it whittled it to the wound to the one that people wanted to see. All these people are out there busting their ass. Dave Chappelle, this guy goes off five hours doing these sorts of things. He's building his own club. He's doing these things. These aren't just dudes who are just sitting on their couch blowing smoke rings. And then, look, like Joe Rogan, oh, yeah, he just likes to get high and chill. Dude, that guy built his own studio. Yeah. He has his own thing. He has a whole network. This is stuff that's been crafted, invested in, and taken seriously to then act like you're not taking it seriously. So you're not you're imitating, you're not imitating that guy. You're right. imitating the character that he's putting back and putting forward if you don't care. If you say you don't care. Or ultimately it's probably because you don't really believe in yourself. Right. And so you don't want to let you don't want to give anybody the impression that you're you're gonna fail if you don't ever have a goal.
0: Yeah man and that's why I kind of have to distance myself from like sometimes like the local scene like if I don't really have anything new to work on, then I'm just going to be doing the shows that I'm booked on. You know? Right on. Because, like, you, that that energy is kind of in the air for the first couple years, and no one's really certain, and they're not really sure if this is – and no, we never really are, even when we have a new idea. And, like, when you're young in this business, it's all new ideas. Yeah. So I, I see why it happens, but, like, I don't know. At a certain level, you get to be more selective, and you can kind of remove yourself from, from like, certain – That kind
1: of... Mics are the worst. Okay, first of all, mics are the worst and comics are the worst because they're the worst audience. Yeah, What do comics have in common? They don't laugh. They don't buy tickets to shows. You go up in front of a, a group of mic, a group of comedians, and they don't say it like they're so funny that they don't laugh. No, the bottom line is they're all thinking about what they just said or what they're gonna say. They're not even paying attention to you. Yeah, you're just eating time up before they're gonna get up there and do their thing. So there's nothing. You could have a killer. What happens in an open mic has no trans it does not translate at all to what it happens in a real
0: show. Like zero, dude. Like zero. Unless they're an audience. At the open mic. If there's
1: an audience at open mic. And yes. still, that's what you got to find. you got to find a decent audience. Yes. Luckily, I would do Crackers open mic. It's on Thursday at Crackers. And they, use, and they have a guy, Jerry Goble, and I run it. And they have a re, we have a live audience that comes in. And they're people. They're human beings with souls. Yes. And, I, and, the, and, and that's where I work new material because you got to sometimes work new material because it can take. There are jokes I'm doing now that I wrote four years ago. That are just starting to hit right now yeah and so like if you have to do and that's maybe that's my style or maybe it was the joke not all of them are like that but some of them you've got to work it and work it and get comfortable with it and i can tell the difference between a joke that'll hit and then sometimes when i'm getting up and i'm doing a joke that i've done like three or four times and i'm like i believe in this joke but it's never gonna laugh i just toss it out there and I'm just relaxed, and it hits. And I'm like, what just happened? I'm like, oh, I knew there was something to it. I can't duplicate it orig- uh, initially. Yeah. I can't immediately go back out and make that hit every time that same way. But over time, I know it can be hit, and it's about it being comfortable and relaxed. And That's when I'm sick. comfortable and relaxed, and then I can start getting goofy with it, I can hit the timing and all those sorts of things. I know about the placement of the joke.
0: The placement also. Bang, it Within can crack. Set, it's like, because you know you have these chunks of certain material, and like... If this joke does not necessarily, even though it's new and you kind of want to get it off fast, I have that issue. Like it's like I want to say this in the first five minutes because yeah. I want to get that pop and feel like that right. newness. And also, if it doesn't hit, it's out of the way, and I can go back to the tried and true. So it's like there's like that fine balance of knowing the placement is big for me because I'm I'm like a craftsman with it. Like I've taken like so much time to make sure that like certain parts of my story that I'm telling you. Must be said first in order to make this more relevant and funny and cohesive later down the like 15 or 20 minutes from now. And then it all is funnier where if I start with that, even though it's great, it's not as great without my backstory. Yeah. You know, so they're just like, they got to so know much, you
1: to find you funny.
0: So much. That goes into They've it. They've got
1: to know who you are. Everybody gets, every time you get on stage, everybody's thinking the exact same thing. They're like, who is this asshole? Yeah. I hope he doesn't suck. It's another one. And that is every audience, whether yeah. they're polite about it, whether they hide or not, everybody is figures this guy's going to suck. Yeah. And so, like, you get up there, so they're all thinking, they're all, and this sort of thing. So it's better, I've found, and I've heard, like, veteran comics. I remember even, um, I think Seinfeld maybe even said one time, they never start with the new stuff. Because you, you got to get them on your side. You got to hit them when you walk up on stage. You give them what they, you know, prove yourself. I'm funny. All right, shut up and listen. Yeah. And then once they got them, then you can go your new stuff and you can find out what it's all about. Because if you start with your new stuff and it goes the opposite way, the first impression's hard. is hard to, to shake off in 20, 30 minutes. So if they don't think you're funny from the jump, it's very rare they're gonna find you. You're never gonna find you as funny later on as they would if they thought you were funny from the jump.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like you need a closer to open with. Yeah, you right? need you
1: need you need to know you need to know the thing. You need, you need to, to You need a bit.
0: You need some sort of bit that's like it's not too personal to where they won't understand. It's like broad enough to where everybody will know what I'm saying. Yes. Even, I do self-deprecating stuff. Me or too. I, or I do crowd work when I first go up. Like that's I'll either talk about someone that I see or me, and then most of the stuff I say about me is like the same five jokes every time, obviously yeah. because I know what I look like. But and I've gotten it down to a science. But like I do also like to mess with the crowd, especially more recently. I've been getting really more comfortable, like uh, because I, I learned the art of crowd work is basically just an improv game. Yes, where you just ask a question, and then or you make an observation, either one of the two, and then. With the information that you have, that's true. You just add something that's not true, yeah. and somehow that becomes the punchline. Yeah, it's, the same. Yeah, exactly. it's, like, <laughs> it's just People are like, "Whoa, I didn't see that coming!" Yeah, it's yeah. Like, neither did I. My friend, shout out Shayna Rabini, explained that to me when we were hanging out at Go Bananas, and I was like, "So it's just a game. It's just." And I was like, "Cause I, I, I cause I kind of professed to her, like, you know, I really wanted to start doing crowd work because I think that would help me get more clips out and like this and that." And she was like, "It's easier than you think." It's like if you just—it's basically an old improv game—and I was like, it hit me, and I was like, "Fuck, I can do that." It's really about being relaxed.
1: Yeah, if you're too. the one who's relaxed and you're an upset, that's the big thing. They see people look for cues. They don't even know what most times people don't even know what's funny. Most of the time they're drunk. Or really dumb to begin with. And if they're figuring, if everybody else is laughing, I'm laughing. If you're cool, if you're calm, if you're collective, I guess you're funny and it's all good. It's like the dice clay thing. Yes, I'm in.
0: There's mannerisms and certain ways to say this, a certain cadence that I'll, or you, or whoever will kind of portray. In the moment will uh, determine the laugh. Yeah, it's not necessarily what you're saying. I
1: and think. like, look at look at Chappelle. Chappelle be like this when he really wants to let people know the joke is over. He'll take it and boom, he'll yes. bump his microphone and it'll be like, "Doom!" And everybody's like, oh, "Okay, now we laugh. This is a good." And yeah. it's a cue. You have to tell them when they want to laugh. And so once you tell them, "Okay, trust me, I'm going to get you going. I'm going to get you rolling," and getting that. Uh, and so like, that, that's why I always start off. The problem I have to overcome was I came up as the host of Crackers in Indianapolis. And I went on there as a host. I went very hard with that, and I knew the local humor, so I started doing a lot of good local stuff. So my strongest stuff in India, I can kill. I can kill that open. I have an open. I have twenty minutes of indie stuff that I, that kills for Hoosiers because I know it. But now whether that travels, some of it it gets it gets whittled away the farther you go out. I can make some of it wet, uh, Midwest. I can carry it out to Midwest. I don't need to do all the specific indie stuff. Like I can't talk about the roads in Indy in Detroit. Everybody be like, "That's right, they suck." Saw- but I can't talk about, you know, or down in Louisville, I can start talking about Menards. I can do these sorts of things. I can talk about these different how people outside, maybe not in Louisville exactly, but yeah. people in the greater Kentucky area are generally nice. Yeah. And uh, there is a yeah, range. Yeah. There are. You, yeah.
0: You can kind of, yeah.
1: There are that Midwest. So there's certain things, and the farther you go out, the more those jokes spill all away. And so, like, the more comfortable I am being at home the less, you know, the, less travel, the, the the less travel, my jokes travel. And so I've got to be, you know, you've got to be able to, and then you get too comfortable with something that kills too easy. Yeah. You don't try the new stuff. The yeah. second you get up there, you're like, I got a crowd here. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go yeah. to work, bang, bang. And you find yourself 30 minutes later and realize I didn't grow at all.
0: Well, that's what I'm scared of too is like I don't take myself completely out of the local scene like with mics and stuff because I have to be able to still show up And, like, get a spot. And then, you know what I mean? Like, I have to... If you're not at least a little bit fresh or you're not a couple times a month going up and trying some new shit... Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, go up five times a week. But after...
1: well it's a lot you have kids especially like that's a thing i've already i know you did i did but i I got kids kids.
0: career i do this show it's like yeah i can't
1: go out it's not doing me any good to sit 30 to to sit an hour in a bar somewhere to be able to talk to eight comics that don't want to hear my shit anymore
0: yeah i've been basically just trying new shit at shows yeah like i'll throw it in somewhere and i'm like this might work with my relationship stuff yeah oh this new joke about my kids I'll try to fit it in somewhere, and a lot of times, I like that you were saying the stuff about the local stuff in Indy, too, because that that resonated with me. I was in Atlanta doing a show like a month ago, a few weeks now, something like that, and uh, I had a joke that used to be about Dayton, but when I was down there, I was like, oh, this is about Ohio. So basically, I just compared it to Atlanta and said, in this department, Ohio kind of has you guys beat and so, for whatever reason, it worked. But then, when I brought it back, I did a show in Columbus a few weeks uh, after that, and then I said Ohio again, like for the same joke. And I was like, you know, I've been all over, but Ohio has the best this thing, and it it kept working. So I was like, oh, maybe I can use even back home. I'll just say Ohio, make it more broad, and I feel like more people can understand you. And it's it's cool that you're recognizing that there's like this uh, kind of science to writing jokes. But there's also a way that you're able to kind of Manipulate the joke and have your improv skills come into play when you're on the road.
1: Right, modify the joke. People. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because what you think is funny, local local humor always kills. It's just like it's like a topical humor. If you talk about something, people will people give you a lot of leeway. If you're making a joke about something that, that right around them they feel like was written for them, they're yeah. going to like it. If you, you make a joke about something that happened in the news yesterday, they're going to give you leeway. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just happened. That's funny. Your joke, just like crowd work. Oh, he's just talking shit about this dude right here. They're going to give you leeway. It doesn't have to be a killer joke it's still funny because it just happened there and they feel it's real but if it's a written joke and all those sorts of things nobody wants to hear about what this you know how everybody is in Baltimore if they are in Cincinnati
0: yeah and nobody cares and vice
1: versa There's like yeah whatever yeah it's crazy you guys know how we like crab cakes they're like oh no we know no now but <laughs> cool I don't know
0: yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious yeah dude it's hard to uh, find that balance I too I bet like I like, I was lucky enough to have just, like, a little bit of the local material um, where a lot of stuff I just talk about, like, my childhood and then, like, my kids and how they have it so yeah. much better than me because they fucking do. Yeah. But uh, that's, like... Fucking 15, 20 minutes of my stuff. Just- By the way,
1: this place is incredibly like Believe it to Beaver when I walk up. We got kids' yeah. bikes out there. Yeah. There's like I'll it's the like, porch, <laughs> yeah, baby. it's like it's like welcome to fall and shit out there. I'm like, Am I in the right place? Yeah. Is this a Johnny Woods? Is this yeah. a Morning Wood? <laughs>
0: Yeah, dude yeah dude i do get a nice place i appreciate you that, do
1: it's dude. great i mean it's, it's fantastic like i'm you're the like, first time i've walked into a comic who has kids where i don't immediately feel sorry for the kids yeah
0: that's sweet dude. <laughs> well i have a great partner too she's like uh we're stay-at-home mom and not she works from home but she also homeschools our kids that's awesome which, really yeah i was doing it for a while uh she was she, until i just recently started working again she was like she was the breadwinner for a while, and I was like doing homeschool with my kids here every day, all three of them. It's insane, dude. You have to be like their gym teacher and their math teacher and like nine oh, different man, things. I and, don't know. She's so much better than I but am.
1: Yeah, I I think that there are certain things that are made. I could not see my. I did so that a little bit during the pandemic. Yeah. And it did not go so. I I dude. By the time the first week was done, so were my kids' chances of ever making it in the Ivy League. It was done. Yeah. You know, if we kept another semester, my much, kids will be dude. waitlisted for University of Phoenix. Yeah. You only need
0: like a credit
1: card for that. That's so what I'm
0: saying. I have three of them. I'm like, if one of them makes it to college, we're good. Right? That's what I'm saying, dude.
1: Then <laughs> you call me.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Send them to a trade school. That's where you're guaranteed. If they can do something other than like talk about like college basically nowadays, it tells you, you know, I don't know what people learn. If anything, there. I think the bottom line is if somebody knows a skill, they're gonna eat. Yeah, they're also going to be able to get the best pills.
0: I think my, yeah, no, no doubt about that. I think my goal for them is to have, uh, have them do something in technology because, like maybe yes. like the like my girls make YouTube videos and yeah. my son loves video games and watching my kids want to be YouTubers. They love yeah, that. Man. It's like why not, dude? Because you never know who out of the couple million kids that are going to do it, the next generation is going to blow up. So. Whoever, and I do the production stuff already. So yeah, it's that's like, here. Yeah, it's already here. It's like, why not just do this? Would same you thing be
1: burned? And this is something you have to actually think no. about that. Would you be burned if all spend. your work, you go out here and then like your daughter comes out here with like some dolls or some shit and it's like blows, it gets a million views? Would you just be like, <laughs> literally already happened?
0: <laughs> <out>. Literally already <laughs> happened. She did it in one day. It wasn't a million. She got like 100,000 views on a video that she made of a cartoon that. It's actually a video game that she made into a, like, s- cartoon. It's like, you know how, like, old school South Park, it was, like, yeah. paper, and they would yeah. move them themselves? So that's what kids are doing. They'll take, like, their favorite little video game characters, and they'll move around the avatars and then do voiceovers and shit. <laughs> she made an amazing one, directed it, and it, was, like, it blew up. It blew up. She did 100
1: grand. You're like, you got all this stuff here. And you're like, you just got 100 grand.
0: Yeah. With construction paper literally <laughs> and i was like I, I couldn't believe it but i was like keep going baby Keep going, baby. daddy need a pair of shoes yeah exactly <laughs> there is a there is a bit of me this this would be a good topic let's see how much time we have see if we can get into this this would be a good we have like four minutes but it, dude it's almost like those people who put their kids in like toddlers and tiaras or the people who like Spend a ton of money, letting their kids unbox all that shit that they're probably sending back. Right. Uh, There's like a certain medium. Like I don't want to whore them out. No, 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 no. Yeah, you don't
1: want to become like a stage dad or live through their experience. Like this is what you want to do. Yeah, I'm gonna be like yeah, that's like, and
0: I beat them and and make them never want to play with toys again. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Like they want to. Yeah, dude. Those are the religious nuts you're talking about. Those kids are living on like a commune somewhere. You don't want that.
0: I do not want that. There's a there's a happy medium where they can do what they want and still hopefully monetize it in some way. And if not, they can get a part-time job. Like every other friend that I have who's in <laughs> entertainment. That's what I'm saying. Who is the
1: kid? There was a guy. there was
0: a kid, there was a
1: kid that's been like six years old for the last 10 years. And he has like a deal with target to unbox stuff and all that kind of stuff. I I, I used to, my kids used to watch him all the time. I know his name. Yeah. Everybody, the guy was like, he's like, boom, this guy was six years old for easily a decade. I guarantee you they had him on puberty blockers. It Ryan? Ryan's yeah, toy yeah, yeah, review. Ryan. Dude, that, that kid shit. is, talk about the next kid to go down the drain. Yeah. He is good, because they, they have been keeping on, he's been jumping into, he's been excited about ball pits for literally, <laughs> before my children were born.
0: Yeah, dude.
1: It's like, get it together, <laughs> It's like, come on, Ryan. You know, he probably doesn't, but he probably he's, probably, he's probably like, he wants to get into like, he probably wants to do everything else besides that, because my kids went through that phase. Yeah. It was 18 months. This kid's been doing it for seven years.
0: Dude, do you you know andy milanakis was like 34 when he got his tv show yeah he looked everybody that way though right he was 14 everybody thought he was like 14 or 15 yeah. and it's like and then he's like 50 now He's an old dude. is that crazy? Dude, but he looks like a fucking child. That He's is still, crazy. Yeah, I know. He looks like a lesbian. He does. <laughs> like, he does, dude. He looks like, yeah.
1: You gotta be funny to keep the last name Milanakis and like it's and we still remember it. Right. Yeah. So you've
0: gotta be pretty funny. Low key, dude. I think I just saw someone um on Instagram or something, I was scrolling. Somebody found like his old DVD at a gas station. And they were like four bucks. I had to get it, and I was like, "Hell yeah, hell yeah!" (laughs) I would have bought it too. I don't even have a DVD player, but low key, that show was fun as hell. That was awesome. Yeah, when he, uh, I remember, it's the kind of the shit that people are doing now, like all these like weird pranks and stuff that are going. That's what I'm saying. He was, like, way ahead of his time.
1: The pranks and all those things that, you know, if you can do that stuff and not get shot, yeah. then I say go ahead and do a prank. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I can't see – usually I, I can always see – I wouldn't even – not. I saw you in here. I was like, I'm not walking in to an Ohio house uninvited because yeah. be, I – you yeah. know what I mean? And I know you, and you I know I'll know. be fine. But still, it's just yeah. – so that's what I'm saying. Like, if you could do pranks and not get hurt, go ahead. Like, what about the jumping in? My favorite was the one at the uh, – what are these outdoor stores that have the fish? remember they have like a pond in the middle of them? Oh
0: yeah, like the Cabela's.
1: The Cabela's. There yeah. was a Cabela pond hopping. You remember that one? No, I There never was saw a trend that. where you'd run in and you would go and like cannonball into that and then roll out. I thought that would be cool because that's fun. There's not one time I've walked by one of those things I wasn't like, dude,
0: I should jump in that. Son I got of a new bitch. prank that I'll tell you after because I don't want to blow it, but because I'm gonna do it. But it's basically like I'm a bad magician. And I just do terrible magic. Yes, it's
1: not good. It's not you want to know how I did it? They're like, yeah, I saw it. I don't care. <laughs> they would rather
0: me leave. Yeah. Like, that's, that's it. That's the whole thing. The, the, all right, we got thirty seconds. You guys make sure you go watch hashtag season two. Yes, Re, uh, with. Is it written by you? I and no, it's
1: not. I'm just, I'm just at Indie
0: Films, I-N D Y Films,
1: um on Facebook, on YouTube. I'm Brad Wrigler at Brad Riggler R-I-G-L-E-R or at Roast War Champ on all social media.
0: Thank you guys so much for watching this. Have a beautiful day. Peace out.